Welcome to No Hope, the podcast. I'm nothing if not a walking contradiction. Good afternoon, good morning, and good night to all of our amazing listeners. This is once again No Hope, the podcast. Outcasts in the arts. I'm going to say it every time now. You should say it every time. And I feel like the more we say it, the more likelihood it is that Disney is going to give us permission (laughs) to use that song. In fact, I think I'm going to tweet bet this afternoon and say, listen to our podcast (laughs) and how much we need your song. Although she probably doesn't own the rights to it. No, I'm sure that she does not. But she could lobby them. You know, that's the thing. She still has she still has a lot of power on the ground. Um, what? Oh, I'm Tim Amiller. And I'm Scott Schneider. It's good that we started over again. You yeah. Know, because I don't think we said our names. Well, we don't need to. T- they don't need to know how the, you know, how the sauce gets made. But yeah, we did start over. over we the- did start over. We had some technical <laughs> difficulties. Um, we usually do a, a few little segments, a little introductions and some uh, very necessary rewinds because we are usually incorrect about most of the things that yeah, we say. We're just flailing, as you as you surely know by now. But today, we're going to skip over all of that stuff because we have a very special guest. This is a woman that we have both known for many, many, many years, but you also very likely might know, even if you don't know us, um, and that is Miss Brandy Burry. Hello, Brandy! Hello, Brandy! Hi, Tim and Scott. Thank you for having me. Thank, thank you for, you for thank being, you for being here. here. I'm so excited. I've been excited about this for some time. Um, you, so how might you know Brandy? If you've seen her on the screen, you most likely know her from her recor- recurring role on seasons three and four of The Wire, which as recently as 2018, the BBC called the greatest TV show ever made. So that's so put that you know, in your already pipe. quite <laughs> something. But then you might also know her from the award-winning documentary Actress, which which the New Yorker recently listed in an article called 62 Films That Shaped the Art of Documentary Filmmaking. Film critic Christy Lemire writes, he, which is referring to filmmaker Robert Greene, is with us constantly and with our perception of what is authentic in ways that are both intriguing and frustrating, Burry is too. So welcome, Burry. Thank you. Um, do you do you consider yourself intriguing and frustrating? hundred percent. hundred percent. Yes, I'm nothing if not a walking contradiction. <laughs> well, and which is, of course, one of the things that makes the film about you what it is yeah Um, it's so it's such a it would not be the film that it is without such a fascinating subject yes and it was something that i was actually toying with the idea of authenticity and as an actor how we're constantly thinking about that Mm -hmm. and how people think about acting as something we put on but as an actor i think about trying to be authentic and as opposed to putting on a character is, right uh, right you know trying to find my true center and myself and all of these things so it was a wonderful exercise that i was able to um, do with my then neighbor robert green who proposed that he start filming me <laughs> and 18 months later we had a 
uh, film that's now part of the Criterion collection. And I get to talk about it and speak with documentary filmmakers and journalists. And the screenings took me all over the world. And I've met so many amazing people from the film. And it also opened up my world to the documentary film world, which I love um, as much as I love acting and that it, that world <laughs> it's so i mean it, and and it's 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 interesting because also through you i feel like i have also been opened up to some of those things i mean obviously not in a in, in the significant way that you have um or meeting all those people but so much more awareness of this this very um vibrant community that isn't yes. just those huge sort of you know mainstream documentaries that are that that most people or eventually will see like there is another culture around of an this independent kind of, it, of independent uh, yes yes exactly. we, we made the film with zero money um no we didn't have cameras we did it, i put a mic on and Robert brought his camera over. There was no lighting. There was no budget there. So to create yeah, something that has lasting impact. Um, uh, and, and my children are in it as well. Uh, so that's really a, a I, know. I know. I mean, they were so little. And that's now the they're other... 14 and 11. God, and just Henry wild. Was I feel like it was yesterday. I know. It does. I mean, that's the other yeah. side of this is like watching the documentary. I think I saw it. We saw the very, very first cut of it here yes. at our apartment. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. um, we saw it uh, at the at the, the Lincoln, Lincoln Center, Center when it was opening. screened. Yep. Yes. Um, and I feel that like I saw it in one other public film festival. It was such yes. an honor to be at Lincoln Center, and I had also done a small role in another film because Robert Green, who directed uh, the documentary, is also an editor. For right, other right, films. right. That so, was Listen Up Philip, right? Listen Up Philip yeah. with uh, Jason Schwartzman and uh, Jonathan Price and Elizabeth Moss. And so I, during the filming of Actress, I also filmed a scene in uh, Listen Up Philip. And that happened to also play at Lincoln Center at their small film uh, center. There's only three theaters in there as far as i know mm -hmm. and i was in two of the three films that was there oh my god and the oh other god, one was amazing. a, a the his was a jean-luc godard film it, which is one of the greatest <laughs> filmmakers and i'm like have i not made it i mean like <laughs> what like, are we talking about right yeah, now yeah like i'm and taking it actress, over the film uh, the the poster is a, a painting a beautiful uh painting um I wish I remembered the woman's name who I'm still friends with uh, that did the painting, but we can we'll yes, do a we rewind. Do a it's rewind. okay. We can add Thank that. You. We can add that She's next time. Yes, fantastic. Um, but so the poster was up at Lincoln Center when I would you know go by uh, just take my walk around there and say I, I've I've made it, kids. Yeah, I, is, I remember because deal. I that that like little Cineplex is I literally walk past it to yeah, work, work there. at the Met Opera. Yes, so did. yeah, it's like the first time that 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 poster went up, it was double take. I was like, what? <laughs> what? I was and, like and, literally and brandies of, on a playbill. Yeah, I, I brought the screening to you. Robert said, what yeah. do you want to do before this, um, before I start submitting this, before we know where it's going to world premiere, what 
do you want to do? And I said, I need to screen it with my dearest friends. And so we came over to Tim's house and you all watched it. I think I drank two bottles of wine and got sick on the way home (laughs) driving. I had to get out of my car and throw up. I wasn't driving. I was a passenger. (laughs) Because I was so incredibly nervous. And I knew that what I was doing was would be considered either crazy <laughs> or brave. I don't know. Well, I, 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 I but think, you, now but, you had but seen that's, the, but that's that both, cut, but right? That's, it's like both. before before you know, we did, I, right? I had I rarely could sit through the whole thing. Mm. I still couldn't sit through the whole thing. I've had to sit through screenings um, at the world premiere in Columbia, Missouri, at the True False Festival. Um, of course, I you know had a couple beers and was. And and a, a review came out right beforehand, and Robert thought it would be just fancy to tell me about it. It was like in IndieWire, and it was a positive review, although essentially because I'm the subject of the film, they said mm-hmm. I was crazy. Um, I mean, in so many words, you know, but, right, but because right, they're right. talking about me objectively, and they don't realize I'm a real human being. Um, but it was a good review. I mean, it was a great, yeah, it, and, yeah. it, and they got it. You know what I mean? They got mm-hmm. what, what we were getting, to, uh, trying to get to. So I was stoked, but I was like giggling in in, in the front row. I couldn't stop myself. <laughs> I was so embarrassed and just could and and even though I knew what was coming, you know, with a, a, a house full of people and they do live music before at these wonderful this wonderful film festival so they have live music before whereas people are coming into the theater and so and I thought the guy was really cute that had just played and so I just was like in my own little world and I and and Robert was so like he just kept nudging me and saying shut up like you can't and so were you were you laughing just because the situation was so I was just so embarrassed. Oh, like okay. I mean yeah, it was, it all, was, it was just all absurd. Nervous, it was just anxiety. like surreal. I can't imagine Why how surreal that would feel to be like, it oh, was I'm surreal. watching this like art documentary and I'm the subject and like yeah, it would be it would feel And, and very Robert strange. asked me, like he said most subjects I mean, some subjects don't come. You know, you yeah. can come, some do, some don't. Um, what do you want to do? And I thought I have to come if if you if you want me to, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they if the festival wants me to, I mean, this is the part that I'm interested in. Um, right. And so right. It was very difficult. Anyway, uh, if if people can see it, it I do yeah. think it's on. You know, I think you can buy. Well, it. I mean, it, but you I, also weren't just simply a subject. I mean, like the two of you were really like collaborators. Yeah. There was a collaboration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But I want to say, it, I started to say this earlier, and then I, I lost my train of thought. I think, which is just the experience of knowing you so well and and knowing you for such a long time, and then witnessing this project. And I remember even being at Lincoln Center, even being in our apartment, and being like. Oh my god! You know, there was <laughs> totally. there was a collective, yeah. just like uh, uh, almost deep breath that that you didn't let out uh, and, until it was over. And I, so I can't even imagine. I was just your friend, Tim. I, I recall. <laughs> I wasn't in the movie. Totally. Oh, that's why you weren't you saying that. Oh, and we used your songs in it. Yeah. We should say oh. that. I yes, mean, we, we should. Shouldn't there's we? A, that's a huge part of this. Is that Fools like you. Are, yep. uh, I, I've, uh, yeah, that's the name of title yep. of it, right? I heard your lines. I've heard their reasons in their rhymes. How can you forget? You use the same ones all the time.
But I've dealt with fools like you before. I've dealt with fools like you before. You'll be out the door when I don't want you here no more. I've dealt with fools like you before. I've dealt with fools like you before. I've been around more than you'll ever know. Yes. Um, yep. yes. I, I performed that song and I'm getting ready to go in. I mean, I don't even, I, I'm, I'm singing it in my house because I'm getting ready to go into the city to rehearse with you. And so many, and then at the end of the, at the end of it, uh, there's another song that uh, I think they play in the, with the credits. I, I so they? love, I so I love that. that that footage ended up making it. Yes. In the, was like that it footage, was, so... was that footage from your solo show or was that footage from uh one no, of the no hope shows that was the, one of your shows that it was, was. The first, okay. that was yeah, the first day he came in to start um filming okay he, he so that in. was i think called that was the breaking the habit i believe is yes. the show that that was and we're gonna get to all of that later so okay. I, but i want to i want to hear because um one of the things that's fun about having guests especially one who has been in this business whatever the fuck that means for such a long time like how when did you start making theater how old were you when did you sort of decide this is what you wanted to do uh i started in high school i think okay i think my made my first eighth grade was my first theatrical performance i had a solo as a mouse in a High, uh, middle school production and the teacher my music teacher miss marty smith is the reason why i'm an actor i'm gonna cry right. she just turned 75 um oh and gosh. and she is the reason so many um of my friends and peers that i from that i grew up with are actors or theater performers um amazing just she saw something in me and just never let up was just like you know, was hard and, and took it very seriously and noticed that I m- was a little wishy-washy in my life, maybe, <laughs> you know, and didn't have much direction. And so she kind of said, here, I think you're, I think you have a good voice and you need to take advantage of it. So in eighth grade, I performed the role of a mouse and it, it started with, I did a, a performance in the afternoon for the school and my parents own a drive-through. They owned, they don't anymore, but a, a carry-out where you drive through and you pick up your beer and your pop and your chips and your lotto tickets. And bait, right? And bait. Ooh, yes, bait nice. yes. Which was fun. Yeah. And so my mom always tells a story of in the afternoon, some parents and teachers who drove through the drive-through after they saw my performance. And we had moved to this town when I was in sixth grade, so I was fairly new to the, and my mom really wanted, you know, to establish us as, you know, a good family. And, and because we had a business there, we were trying to become right, part of the right. community. Right, It's very important so to have she, that reputation. She was getting all these people driving in and saying how great I was. They can't, that, that she asked to see, my solo was wonderful. And there's a, a point where I'm supposed to improv, and I say, these two dodo brains, because I we, we were three mice. I had two brothers. I was the all-American mouse, and I had striped shirt on and blue shorts and ears. And I can remember the song, but I won't bore you with that one. But um, And I was supposed to say, these two dodo brains. And I was so nervous for the evening performance for all the parents that I said, these two dildos. <gasps> I did. I did. And did you get a laugh? Did you 
I Did didn't you know even what really know meant? what that was. Yeah. I didn't even know what it was, but it was it was a slang word that people that used. You picked up somewhere. But somehow. I knew from everyone's reaction that I had done something really wrong. And so I stopped. I have a picture of myself ha- having my hand over my face and laughing. Um, and, and the whole show stopped. And everyone <laughs> laughed. And, and my mom was mortified. Um, you got a laugh, though. I did get a laugh. That's why I knew. And th- this, is where the, this is where like the whole thing started, where yeah. you, sometimes scandal is good. I was like famous. I was <laughs> totally. famous from there on out. And my music so you teacher had like write a letter what, to the superintendent. 13? I was, gosh, probably twelve. I, I, I was okay. like I graduated. Yeah. So it would be yeah, like 13, genuinely 13. shocking in a school yeah. play for yeah. somebody to bark And I didn't know what it, what, what I was even saying. And and right. so she had to write. You know, my teacher like had to you know write a letter to the superintendent and, and apologize and say that it wasn't intentional. That she didn't teach me that word and it wasn't part of the <laughs> oh, script. And, God. Um. And wow. it was and it was you know water under the bridge but that was my first time being on stage so there you go and, and you then uh, made and it then memorable we had a summer theater in uh here in playhouse it, oh, it, it's right, part of the right. bowling green state university but it was college they would hire professionals to come in to play the leads um so i was exposed uh when i was invited over the summers to then be in the chorus of anything goes and guys and dolls and Hello, Dolly. And so I, that's when I was really exposed to talented people and, and, and exposed to theater of, of like right. spending eight hours in a, in a, you know, gymnasium, which is really Rehearsing what it was. But, and, and, yeah. And, and we would build the sets and we ate together and, and we, everyone had parts. And that's when I fell in love with. I'm a theater person. These people are awesome. You know, my first uh, gay friends, even though we still didn't talk about people being gay, you know. Um, but, you know, that's when I That's when you started music and getting my, hooked to the community yep, aspect of my theater. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. So... So um yeah you've you've talked about the Huron the Huron Playhouse before I and and so you did that did you do that all four or all three summers I guess between you know freshman sophomore sophomore junior I think I was invited in my sophomore year but then okay. I would go and do it I, I was actually like part of the Playhouse so I had in my hometown even when I went to college I could come back and be the star of in Kiss Me Kate. I got to play, you know, Lois, and um, so that was in a, a couple other, you know, great roles. Um, so, so it, that, that's my next was my next question. Actually, is what led you to Ohio University? Um, I wanted to go to CCM in Cincinnati because yep. I heard it was the absolute best. And so I... And what is CCM? It's a conservatory. Cincinnati Conservatory Conservatory. of Music. They, I think, as far as I understand, they take six people or something a year and out of thousands. I mean, these are the people that you see on Broadway. I had no clue. I mean, I'd never really left... The first time I was in a plane was when I was a sophomore in high school and my friend and I flew to Chicago by ourselves, which is a five hour drive. I don't know why we had to fly, but so, and, and it wasn't with my family, it was with a friend. So I, it, I, was, I wasn't exposed to any art outside of my own singing and dancing and musical theater. So I, I didn't know 
the competition. Mm. And I practiced with my, a voice teacher, which Marty Smith, my music teacher, I, I think she actually probably paid for the lessons because I don't wow. think my parents had the money, but she knew that I really wanted to go. Well. And she was living a little bit vicariously through me, I think, you know, saying, I'm going to sure, help you. Sure. And so I went to audition at Cincinnati. And even when I went to do the audition, I remember being so nervous. My mom, like, we got a terrible hotel by, like, the White Castle and the shit part of Cincinnati. <laughs> you know, we didn't know. And, and my mom was nervous. And, and it, it was just, like, an awful experience. And I remember meeting the people afterwards, and they just kind of said, you know, you know how difficult it is to get in. Like, you don't really think you're going to get in this, do you? They weren't being mean, but they were just kind of like, they'd wow. never heard of me. I mean, by the time you get to this audition, they probably know right. who they're Through like, bringing. wow, These competitions are, and that sort of yes, thing. It's like, these like, people yeah. have been probably on, maybe on Broadway already. Who knows? Mm. And I, but I really thought I had a chance. And uh, so that was devastating for me because I didn't get in. Hmm. But was, that because, your, was that your first big no, yes, basically? Yes, yes. It was my hmm. first first like audition anywhere and then it was my first no so there you go and I was really um I didn't have any other thing to fall back on so I said well I'll just go to Cincinnati and maybe I'll try to get in I'll just go because I didn't I didn't think any further than that because I just said oh, I, I didn't and and what else was I going to do be an education the only elementary teacher I didn't know what else I could possibly do because I really hmm. hadn't thought further than I'm a good singer and I want to do theater right so I went to the orientation with my mother at the University of Cincinnati, and I was scared to death. You know, I met the cheerleaders that were supposed to take you around, and I thought, these are not my peeps. I'm from a, <laughs> a fairly small town, and all of a sudden, Cincinnati is in the heart of the city. Um, so I felt really out of place, and I kind of cried myself to sleep at that orientation and came home, and I didn't want to go. And so I ended up staying home for an entire year and doing community college. And I don't think that I knew that. Probably yeah. not because, um, you know, it's all. And then I auditioned for Baldwin Wallace uh, Conservatory in Berea, uh, which is near Cleveland. Another okay. really good conservatory that I had a friend from the Huron Playhouse, Stephen Brockway, who you... Oh, yes. oh yeah, yeah. Okay. He was oh, yes. going there, and he was had become a good friend. We worked together in shows. And he said, you should come here. It's amazing. So I auditioned there, and it's a very expensive school, but because I got in, and I was able to meet the teachers beforehand because I knew Stephen, and I would go to his performances, yep. and I would say hi, and he would he recommended me. You know, he said she's an amazing singer. It's all those things that you yep. know people don't tell you about. And so I got in, and I was there for a semester, and I was singing, and they were, I was doing so in love from uh, Cole Porter's "Kiss Me, Kate," and I, they were kind of prepping me like some maybe in a year or two I would play that role because I was getting a musical theater degree and it was very difficult, solfege, harmony, piano lessons. Mm -hmm. I was in the thick of a conservatory all of a sudden and I wanted to kill myself. <laughs> I was like, this isn't right. This doesn't, this doesn't feel like me. I mean, like that's right. where I was with a bunch of people, theater people. But I was like, ew, theater people. Like, <laughs> like they, I, I didn't feel like I belonged at all. And it was more conservatory people. Yeah. 
it was a different feeling. That's a different and- vibe for sure. As somebody who went through music school, uh, you know, and I, those I always say the four years I went through music school were the four years that I didn't like music anymore. Exactly. Like it was just it's a very intense that conservatory situation, like you said, yes. like solfege and the theory and the solfege just like it's like constant. Me. Yeah. I was good at like your rhythmics. I could like tap and walk and chew gum at the same mm-hmm. time. They were always like, you have really good rhythm, and I was very visceral in that sense, but. And I also was having trouble with my voice. I was, mm. I was going to the Cleveland Clinic, and essentially they they checked on my voice. They did some recordings and things because I was having parts that like notes that were really scratchy, and mm. when I was singing all the time. Yeah. And he said, um, "You'll never be an opera singer. You you know that, right? You know maybe you want to change careers right now because my vocal cords didn't match up." You get calluses on your vocal cords. That's what was happening to me. Mm. And he said it would always happen because wow. of the way my vocal cords uh, matched when I would sing. They, would, they wouldn't they would match. Um, I would have to kind of push them together really hard, and that would create a callus. Um, so that's when I was had to face of like, I'm not going to be an opera high and you know and i was singing soprano as well and my voice it was fairly low and they were trying to get me okay if you're gonna you sing soprano so try to speak higher so i was like walking around trying to speak higher and and not (laughs) drinking any caffeine and all these like ridiculous things when you're 19 and you just want to smoke cigarettes and you know get drunk and be a kid so i I don't know it was very so so all of this and i ended up Going to OU, I ended up saying, I want to transfer because I knew people at OU. I, 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 this whole story is just to say that there's no path, obviously. Right, yeah. right. I was you lost just... and, and I was waiting to be found and I yep. was hoping someone would find me. And and, and all of it just, led to experiences. I think walking through those and, doors. But I, I ended up dropping out of, yeah, like I ended up dropping you know, out of a, a an eight twenty thousand dollar a year conservatory that I got accepted in and got scholarships to go to a public school and to pay. You know, it's just, right, it's, right, yeah, um, yeah. But I, I loved have to, OU. I have to. Um, there's a couple of things. One of them, like you said, there's no path. But there, I think, I think there's no path when you have no foundation. You know, when None. you're not like you Zero. said, your family. It's Nothing. not like mm. uh, my family. Nobody in my family was a singer. Nobody in my family did theater. Same for you. So you're you're literally starting at, and you and you're not in some sort of upper echelon of society. Right. So you don't have any connections to those that that sort of culture so you really are starting from just like i don't know what the fuck i'm doing or where the fuck i'm mm. supposed to put my attention you know and and i think that's an interesting that the there are obviously advantages and disadvantages to it um william and i have talked about this recently like people who moved to new york seem to not know how difficult it is and so sometimes they just bulldoze their way into situations right whereas people that grew up in new york are like Oh God, it's so hard to get into this bit, you know. Right, and, and ignorance you just, sometimes is bliss. Sometimes yeah. it is because known, it gives you this never. fucking confidence. Totally, exactly, totally. exactly. Yeah. And I had I, nothing and, to lose. You know yeah, what I mean? Yes, because yeah, I yes. had nothing. I didn't know anything. Yeah. I didn't. So I went in just like auditioning for those things. As if I was meant to be there, you know. Yeah. I thought, okay, <laughs> right. I'm. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Oh, I have gotten. Oh no, go ahead, Tim. 
The other thing I want to say is the teacher thing and just like a really quick reflection that, that it was my it was an eighth grade teacher of mine wow. that was uh, Mrs. Parsons. Starley Parsons was her name and she was a fireball and she was the first woman who told me, I think that you're good enough to be a writer. And I wow. and I think that without her support, I don't think I would still be, you know, doing this. It was that little it was that little exactly what you said. She saw something in me. She was like let's put this into a determination and and it it really like it it's so fascinating it's one of the things that i'm like teachers are fucking amazing people and when they're good at what they do and when they when they if they connect with you they can literally change your life do you have that person schneider i do yeah my uh piano teacher growing up uh rebecca o'connor like she was just this like constant benevolent force and you know would never even like come down on me when she should have be like, you know, like, cause I wouldn't practice, you know? And it's like, I only like to play certain kind of, you know, a certain type of repertoire and this and that. But yeah, she was always just like this, honestly, like a guiding light and like, you know, and would just, just trying to like steer me to a path without, you know, pushing me down it. Uh, yeah. And like, uh, yeah, I, I feel like, if you ask anybody who has like seriously pursued like a career in the arts that like, it's pretty likely they had somebody like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's true. It was really difficult for me when all of that was gone because Mm, when she, she's still around, but when, when I wasn't in this little cocoon where I would sing solos at the local church at, I was singing the national anthem at all of the sporting events in high school uh, because of Marty, because she said, she's got a wonderful voice. We need to get her up there. Um, So I I would sing for people's weddings. I would sing for people's funerals. Um, Amazing Grace with, and to be a part of that community, that's was so amazing to be invited because they knew that I wanted to sing for them for right. an event such as that, or to feel so paid. I, I, to be able to sing the national anthem at your high school, it really, I was so yeah. into yeah. it, you know? And and, yeah. and again, that someone said, I didn't know how to seek all those things out. Uh, but I, for me, it was a real abrupt change when all of that fell out. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. When, when you know there's nothing in New York that's gonna yeah. <laughs> well, how, how, so how was it? How was it when you got to OU? Like, how what was that experience like when you first got there? Did you did you find that community pretty quickly? I did. Or? I, I, okay. You know, okay. I, I, I but I, I found it pretty quickly. But I was a nobody. I mean, it, I the first main stage I ever did, which was you know I, you do black box theater. So I I, mm. I transferred over as a sophomore. Let's see, but. William Fisher was our acting, the head of acting at the time, and he instantly saw, it was wonderful because I went to my first acting class and he said, you're way ahead of these kids. Like what? And I said, well, because I transferred and I'm actually, I think I'm supposed to be in the year ahead, but because of uh, credits and stuff. And luckily I was 17 when I graduated high school. So I ended up graduating from undergrad at 21, even though I had done all of this nonsense. Oh my God. Yeah. So like, it was like, it all worked out in the end, but, and, and my, the head of acting said, wait, you're, you're, you're just a little bit, he saw it right away, which I real again, I really appreciate. Cause he said, I think you're, you, 
you need to be in the next class. So he worked it. So we looked at my credits. We figured it out. So I jumped from being a freshman to jumping up to being in the right class where I should have been as a sophomore. And he helped me. You know, I, I took a calculus class. I took all these things, and and he said, you know, you don't have to take calculus. You could just take general math. But I was like, no, I'm an I'm an actual. I want to learn. Wow. I really, uh, you know, but that kind of thing. Uh, but anyway, and no one knew who I was. So I and I still I played like mothers, and I played r- small side <laughs> roles, which I loved. It, they weren't a problem. But I only did one main stage, and that was the very last of my senior year. And I was in Lucy in the Three Penny Opera, yes, which was a great yeah. role. Um, but that was the only time when people were like, oh, where have you been? But I think because I transferred in and I never started with a class and then I kind of jumped around, I was friends with everyone, but even the teachers uh, in the graduate program never didn't really know who I was. So they were almost like, I kind of came out of nowhere and performed a good role and they were like, oh, she's good. But um, I, I liked OU. Is that you know? It was yeah. like I grew up there. I, I kind of like that's why I started smoking pot and things like that. <laughs> you know, or, uh, but it, it's where I, where I started going. Oh, not everyone is this rigid. Um, I started you know becoming liberal essentially. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so we met in we met at Ohio University mm-hmm. in nineteen. I believe it was nineteen ninety six. The fall of nineteen ninety six, and we were both first year graduate students in theater. Mm-hmm. You were in acting, and I was in directing, and I. But I don't think that we really got to know each other until that summer when we went to the Monomoy Theater on Cape oh, Cod. Is that right? What an experience I, that was. And I was, um, I was uh, Paris to your Juliet. <laughs> that was my. <laughs> I, most I call valued myself Pocahontas. <laughs> yes, you? because I, I, I looked at the, the clothes. You know, it's summer theater. And you're putting on Romeo. It was and your. It was the wig more than the clothes. It was the wig. It was <laughs> rough, the. It was wig. the Pocahontas dress and the wig that went down like but, to my butt. But I think that the dress would have. I. I. It was. You're right. It, it was, was a combination. The okay. But the wig threw it. Oh, the wig man. threw it, and we. Well, we all called you Pocahontas, I believe. So yes. Um, which was probably not very probably politically correct. Culturally but, insensitive. Once again. Right. But. <laughs> Where is, uh, sorry for an ignorant so, question, but where in Cape Cod is Monomoy? Well, it used to be in Chatham, and oh, unfortunately, okay, okay. I think okay. it just closed. Is that right? It did. Bury, uh-huh. like last summer or two summers ago? It was yes. there for, what, 40 years, I believe. Yep. And it I is still have just my mug. Oh, I was just drinking out of so it. So depressing. This is, like, we, is this like summer stock, basically? It's, summer stock. Like it's summer okay. stock. And, and Schneider, I'm sure I've told you about this before, but it's fucking insane summer stock. It's eight shows. Yeah. in 10 weeks we had two <laughs> days off the entire Whoa. summer we were rehearsing one show in the morning a different show in the afternoon and then performing a show oh at God. night i went from and these were not Ado annie in yeah. oklahoma yeah. to juliet and you know rehearsing these two <laughs> like, kind of things at the same time yeah and like blinking of an eye and, yeah. making, and, and, and cooking it, in the kitchen in the in the afternoon uh, you know yeah, like, we also we all had chores we yeah. all had chores I mean, we as talked well. about that a little bit with dawn and i i kind of i do i kind of wish i had had that experience even though you it sounds like that, utterly yes. insane like, <laughs> I that, don't and i always it. i always kind of wish that i had like you know taken a year to like play piano on a cruise ship or something like i just always <sighs> thought it would be right, like it would right. just be like a wild experience but <laughs> um so the first time that we worked together like worked worked together was when i directed you in the colorado catechism by our professor vincent j cardinal 
um, who was also an extraordinarily influential, you know, mentor and teacher of mine. And and the reason that I went to OU actually is because he took over the program there. That's why I found that's I wouldn't have ever thought of OU if it had not been for Vince Cardinal. Um, And then we also worked on uh, Anita Gabrosik's play Disengaged, which I think both did both of those things happen our second year. Yep, I think so. Okay, because I, I, I was, I was like, I think I'm very confused about my second year and the third year. They, they, they sort of like, um, maybe, uh, maybe you yeah. discovered. Pop oh well, year. my third year I was I, in Cincinnati. Yeah, so it couldn't have been our third year. Yeah, you're right. You right. never came I, yep, back, yep. right? You didn't come back for nope. any actual projects. Okay. Nope. Okay. So, yes, that was actually my next question. So, after um, – I mean, there's a lot of things we could talk about about OU, obviously. But well, the, in the, your third the, – the, um, I graduated, at, at, I, and I tried to do Erda's, which is a um, the, where you go and audition in yes. Chicago and you t- to get into graduate schools because I had no idea what I was doing. Keep in mind, I've never been to a big city. Like, except for maybe, you know, traveling to Toronto. Well, Cincinnati and Cleveland, um, right? Those... Well, before this, though, I, I'm i just an undergrad. I just graduated and, and didn't know what I was going to do with my life. So I right. went back to the Here and Playhouse and I tried to do Erda's and I got about 12 people that invited me and like thought I might go to do their graduate programs, but they were all not very good. And I mean, not, and mm. th- they just... Having my experience before, not that they weren't very good, I, I, I'm not judging them, I'm judging me, where I was like, I don't think I'm going to go to South Carolina, or right. I don't feel like uh, maybe Kansas isn't the right place for me right now. I was just afraid. <laughs> I didn't know where to go. And but and none of them were, you know, Juilliard. So, right, um, right. Mm-hmm. So it was sort of like, yeah, one of, what is it, six of one and half dozen of the other. Yeah, so I graduated Ohio University thinking that was the end of my college career, and I went back home to the Huron Playhouse to do my, you know, lead in um, the musical and No Coward Plays and was scared to death. Honestly, had no, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And I got a call from... I am from, familiar with that experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got a call from Barbara Redmond, who was the head of the acting graduate program at Ohio University. And she said, how would you feel about coming back to OU to the graduate program? And I, I was speechless. I said, I would love to do that. I just felt like, you know, someone had intervened and saved me from, right. you know, <laughs> death. I don't know what was going to happen. But, um, and, and because someone had dropped out of the program. And she said, I saw your auditions at Erda. And I thought you were, I've always thought you were so talented. But we really never thought about inviting someone. It didn't make sense to invite someone from the undergrad to the graduate program. But when this opportunity, when someone had to drop out, for right. personal reasons, we have this space, and I I proposed you. So that's how I got back to going to OU nice. to finish to my graduate program. And I'm so grateful for Barbara Redmond, who right. just had seen me. And, and she saw me at Erda's, which is so funny, because I had to drive to Chicago to audition for something that from Athens, right? And then you, and then you ended up coming back to uh, to Athens, right? Right. Like, and she was like, and had she not seen me in a different professional setting, uh, she might not have seen. She just saw me as like an undergrad student, right? Right. Um, which is what happened. Kind of, we spent a year in Cincinnati as part of our in internship. Um, and as a professional, so we, we got to do an internship there and we, but we got to work with professionals and we were all doing Christmas Carol and getting points to our equity card. And I was an understudy for the importance of being earnest and understudies never went on. I mean, you just, 
That's mm. you had to be under studies and they had to have one. Oh, I remember. Oh, my God. Was I there when this happened? Did I see you? Oh or gosh. did I just just the lore just came uh, very strongly? It was what well, it was pretty intense because yeah. Melissa King, who was playing uh, Gwendolyn, um, ended up getting really sick. And she has since passed away. Oh. Um, she was so talented, so talented. And I was so enamored by this actress that I memorized her lines and her mannerisms because I was just enamored with her talent. And luckily I was, so, and I loved acting, obviously, you know, I was just that, you know, I wanted to be the good student and I actually had to go on. I mean, I, we wow. were in a bar How in much? Mount Adams and the, the director, Ed Stern, who was the artistic director of Cincinnati Playhouse, came and found me in the bar. I remember he had a cigar. He was like smoking a cigar at the time. Because <laughs> you could do that back then. And he was like, it was like very serious. He's like, are you ready for this? Like, you got to go on. Like, this is, and I'm like, what? And he's, she's like, yeah, he, she's got to go. She's like been diagnosed. Oh. Like she has, she hadn't been eating like anything. We were hanging out and she couldn't like even had a, have a hot dog at the fair. Like we were, you know, when we'd go do things and she was like, so something was wrong, but she just kept barreling through like we all do. So on a Friday night, you know, and, and with like, with two days notice, Wow. I think my mom had come to visit or something and I made her run my lines like a crazy person and they had emergency rehearsals and they I was gonna say she were was you so able much to taller. do some rehearsal at least. Yes. Oh okay. yes. Oh I mean God. they like they had to actually like rent costumes and have them shipped overnight because she was so much taller than me and she wanted to finish the role. I mean mm-hmm. that was the whole thing was that she was determined and she did. She came back and, and finished the role and and I it was probably uh, one of her last roles. So yeah. Well, so it just this is a, a sort of stepping away from uh, all of this and just having I'm just curious if you could say at this point in time. So you're just getting out of graduate school. <laughs> what would you say was the most satisfying thing that you had done? What was the most satisfying work that you had done? Like and I mean, from the time you were started doing this a sophomore year until this point from, like, from there, dildos. Are forward. there right? Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely think Colorado Catechism was one of my most satisfying roles. Um, my work with Scott Yarborough was really satisfying, a play called Coyote Ugly. Um, oh, that was before me, right? Yeah, that was that was an undergrad. Okay. And it that was, was your no final year. Yep. I think, like yep. I said, I think I played a you know 45-year-old mother when I was 20, but it was visceral acting. Yes, You know, yes. I loved Colorado Catechism. I loved yes. the work we did. Um, those those were the biggest. I mean, I played Hedda Gobbler for my thesis, and, and I loved be, being in that corset, and, the, in the, and I loved Ibsen. Um, it was an amazing. I, I don't particularly think it was a. I did a good job, but <laughs> I was grateful for the opportunity, and I would love to be able to tackle it now. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, those yeah. were the 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 collaborative, you know, in your face sort of theater is what I definitely wanted to do more of. I mean, I'll, I'll I will say that. Um, I did ask that question slightly selfishly, hoping that you might say that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Leading. Because, Leading because that, I mean, out oh, of true. all of the projects that I did in those three years, I mean, 
that was definitely the and still to this day one of the most satisfying things I've ever done. Uh, and it Scott was, Terry was it was a two person play, and Scotty Terry was uh, he's in Red Wanting Blue in a band, and he's amazing. And he was which he was in at that time, which yes. he began. He started oh in college and is still going very strong. We just saw him recently at uh, the City Winery. Well, not recently now, but you know, yeah, within so the last talented. couple of years. Yeah, so that was such a, and we're all still friends, and that's the kind of thing that you never forget. You don't have those. He used to sing Breakfast at Tiffany's in the back. Yes. Uh, ad, ad nauseum. And I would just be like, <laughs> we're done. We're done with Breakfast at Tiffany's. Like, because he was always warming up his voice, and because he was actually performing at night, we would go and see him yeah, at the he local. Would, he would finish the play, and then he would have a gig at one of, you know, at the Swindlefish or something. <laughs> exactly. But you know what made it so good for, like, when I think about it, like, it was a really tumultuous time. Like, um, I, I'm sure that you're aware of the fact that Vince and I had some very strong disagreements over <laughs> over the play and over my approach to the play, um, which I, just I didn't, that's which what I didn't back was. down I thought... from. Well, and, and I think and I think in retrospect, I really appreciated the fact that we had that tension and I appreciated Scott Coppock and all of the voices yeah. that were really so invested in that project which obviously started with with you and Scott on stage like every time we wa- every time anybody came in and watched you they'd be like oh i'm just going to stay for a few minutes you know the, the designers would frequently come by and then an hour after the whole run was over they would still be there and they'd be like <gasps> and i'd be like yeah it's it, not only is it a fucking great play but like these people are fucking great well, and we and i so remember invested. also i life. remember <laughs> making scott terry roll around on the floor do you remember that yes. and david McClendon would come in and be like what what are you doing? And I'd be like, he's he's not embodying his lines. I'm making him roll around on the goddamn Remember? floor. Oh, he, and he wasn't. He, we, we, we had to do the t-shirt. We had to do the t-shirt exercise. And you had that bone. Remember the bone? Yes. Have you spoken I about still this have yet? It. I still oh, have that gosh. bone. Oh, my gosh. Tim had this big plastic bone. I, re- I know that which bone. Which is completely yeah. inappropriate. Oh. Like, he would be absolutely kicked out of any... I would be fired instantly. <laughs> harassment... Yeah. 100%. But again, that's what we thought was normal. And, and he, would, he, would like, he would beat us with the bone to like motivate us to, to, well. to like, so, you know, be more interesting, I guess. So on that note, um, so we graduated. What what happened? What happened? Where? When? How did you decide what was next after? Oh gosh, Cincinnati? I never. Did. I was always flailing. Again, I was like, "Do I stay in Cincinnati?" I graduated from Cincinnati, um, and then I went to visit you. You were doing a company management, or were you? Or you were you directing it? it um, oh Shepherd's God, Town? I completely. I honestly completely didn't. E- I don't even have CATF on my, oh my gosh. list. Well, you are the reason why I got my equity card. You, oh, you are because right. you were yes this Tim Allmiller was the, I don't you were there for s- several reasons but I came to visit you because again I was lost and whenever I was lost I would come find my posse and hopefully something would happen um but you know we were had to move out of Cincinnati we had a year lease the lease was up and where was I going to go back home I mean now I'm mm. 24 I have a graduate degree and I'm supposed to go be a professional 
but I don't even know what that means. I have no, I, we, we did do a um, showcase in New York City. They provide you with that. Mm. And then, and from working at Cincinnati, I had professional friends now that I've worked with and I'm feeling, and the whole point of saying that I got to do that understudy role was that because I actually went on. Yeah, it I meant something. It, it meant, meant something, something and it changed me in the eyes of the other theater, of the director of the theater, all of a sudden I was up to that caliber. I wasn't just the intern that's, you know, never actually got on stage. So um, that really helped and it was just by chance, but I was ready for it, thank goodness. Because a lot of things, you know, a lot of the other actors probably wouldn't even known their lines because we really never thought we were gonna go on. So it's just be ready. Wow. Be ready in the wings. Yeah, is, uh, it's funny and- that you say it's funny that you say um, company <laughs> manager because I like to try to forget that I was the company manager because oh. I was terrible at that job. You were but I was at the education job, director. Oh. <laughs> that was what I was that summer that I actually cared about. <laughs> um, and and that was that was actually pretty fun dealing with. Uh, there was a lot that was a big program with a lot of interns and apprentices and. You were cast partially, not only because I, well, I mean, because you were in Disengaged and Ed Herendine, yes. who was a, an OU alum and who yep. ran Contemporary American Theater Festival, uh, saw you in Disengaged, saw you in Anita Gorosik's play. And and I can't, did you, I can't remember, did you audition for the role in, yeah, or did you, so, did he just ask you to do it? No. So he, he saw it the play disengaged and afterwards you know milling about in the alleyway he said you're great like get, you know get a hold of me when you're um out of school we should work together sometime and you know you file that in your pocket and you say okay you know i'm gonna write that i'm gonna write him a letter because this was the days where you actually wrote people letters i would write directors personally letters i would go in the american theater and find the roles that i thought i might be right for and actually send the letter right directly to the director or to the theater um but anyway i went to visit you when you were the education director in shepherdstown just in the summer just as a friend and while i oh, was wait, there that so that summer no i was an intern okay the, the first summer i was the assistant director intern that's okay. when you probably came and visited me yes and, and then we said I want to audition for you. And he said, oh, that's great. I, there's no roles. There are, it's already, everything's been cast. You know, it's a small company, but, and I said, well, can I do my monologues for you? And he was like, sure. Why, why would he say no to that? You know, he said, yeah, I'll find the time. And you actually sat in the audition with me and I used you as one of my, I don't know, I did my monologues and maybe he had us do a scene, but I, and, and so, and again, there was, there was no pressure, but I was like, just in case. And I was just such a go-getter, you know, and you inspired me or, you know, encouraged me to just audition while you're here, just to remind, just to, hey, I'm visiting, but I want to work with you someday. And, you know, two months later, I got a call from him or an email. And he said, you're not going to believe this. Uh, Jeffrey Hatcher has rewritten Complete Female Stage Beauty. And he's added the character of Mariah, who's a 24-year-old woman, and I'd like to hire you, you know, uh, as to, to get points towards your equity card because I still didn't have it. So that was my first professional job. Wow. So when I auditioned for it, when it didn't even exist, you know, it's all those weird things. And, and it was yeah. that, that uh, ended up being a movie. Yes, Claire yes, Claire Danes played, played that role, and that yeah, role is significant. They didn't ask me to audition. <laughs> 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 uh, 
But and then I got to meet and everyone else during that summer. So I went. That was the first time I went to Shepherdstown, and everyone else was from New York. I mean, it was a whole Juilliard clan. Yes. Well, mm-hmm. that that was and particularly NYU. about the Julia Jordan play. There was a lot of Juilliard around. They all came uh, together, and they literally said, "How did you get here?" Like, who are you and where did you come from? Because we don't know you. And all of those kids have gone on to be like super famous. I mean, lot, like, you know, Dallas, Roberts, yeah. Paul yeah. Sparks, and um, and they had such an in. And, and I and I kind of was like, oh, I'm from OU. And, and, but I really didn't have any of the context that they did. So I, it was just. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, so wait, you came to do the role in Complete Female Stage Beauty before you moved to D.C.? Yes. Had you decided? So you hadn't decided you were moving to DC yet. No, no. I and I always thought I would move to New York. I just again was just. Um, I, I actually moved to New York after Complete Female Stage Beauty. Oh. I got a sublet for like two months at the woman that played Marilyn Monroe. Was that? Oh my the god! Same year? I oh my god! Stacey? I do remember that. Yes, it was. She she. It was called Bombshell, I think, or no? Yes. No. Joyce or Carol something Oates. Like that. Yeah, Joyce was, Carol Oates wrote that play, yes. Uh, yep, which we got to meet Joyce Carol Oates and Sam Shepard and like all these, you know, it's crazy, those connections you get when you get to do New American Theater. So exciting. So she had, she said, come, you have to move to New York. Because I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do after this. She's like, you have to move to New York. Um, and she had a room that she, well, she wanted to go live with her boyfriend. So essentially she was giving me her room up at like one, 106 in Columbus. Okay. And so I went there and I tried to get, I think I started waiting tables at John's Pizza right away and wanted, I I was so afraid. I had no idea how to take care of myself. I I was just, Mm. I didn't like it. I was, it was the concrete jungle. I had no skills, life skills. I, um, and then I believe it wasn't at that time that uh, Ed Herondine hired me to be uh, the lead Dulcinea in Man of La Mancha. For the college oh, production. Oh, right. And I was like, packed my bags. Like within a day, I was like, yes, I'll go. Because I just, I knew I didn't want to live in New York City. Uh, because it just, it was too scary for me. It wasn't that I, and I, I, and again, I had no family. I, and all of my friends, you guys, were finally free to be, my, my best friends were gay males from school. And so I feel now looking back on it, I feel like you were all coming to New York and had been there already a couple of years, like had been starting like establishing yourselves there. And you were living your best lives. Like finally you were starting to find your niche and 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 the, none of that really was there for me. I was just like a scared 24-year-old girl walking home alone at night after waiting tables till two in the morning and was like, I need to, I was again like the smallest uh, fish in a big fat ocean, right? With no, right. so it was just overwhelming. That was to you so. At what that year time. was that? Do you was that two thousand? No, that was ninety nine or two thousand. Two thousand. Two thousand. Because I met. I think that's when I met. Did I meet you in two thousand, Schneider? Uh, yes, like yes. spring yep. summer, yep. Yep. sort yep. of spring summer two thousand of two thousand. Yeah, that's uh, that's crazy. We this is a this is a slight topic jump, but we were when we were talking about things to 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 discuss um, the uh, the Paris trip came up, oh and 
Infamous. Infamous. I mean, so what are this the is, odds? This is after. This is this is the other part yeah. of this that you know, Scott and I don't talk about like that much on here. But the right. fact that this is after we broke up and right. we were pretending yeah. like everything was fine. <laughs> I was pretending like I was saying Scott. Well, we were both pretending like I was saying. And that um, we were going to be friends, you know, regardless. And then in April of 2003, I think it was you that said, hey, we can go to Paris for yes $300. Like we can get a fucking ticket for $300. Go to Iceland and then go to Paris for yep. $300. And yep. then somehow randomly, Scott's father is going yeah. to well, work. He was, he was, he was uh, managing some people in Paris. So he worked, and he worked for, for RCA, a company right? RCA, and then it got bought by a company called Thompson, which was a French company. So like that year, he started like like co-managing like the people like he already was managing in the U.S. And then a group of people in Paris. And so he had already done a handful of business trips. And I think I just kind of latched on to one because I was like, I was like, well, I want to go to Paris. And so, uh, so yeah, we planned it because I was like, well, it'll be like free lodging, essentially, you know, only have to like pay for the plane ticket, basically. So I glommed onto it. And then somehow I must have, were we still living together at that point, Tim? I think maybe not. I think not. Were we? Not? You said this was two thousand. I think not. So somehow I, I like relayed this to you, and at the same time you had already booked the trip that you, uh, you and Brandy, or somehow it all happened that it was like, like a weird coincidence and it's and like well, i'm gonna just, be there at the same time just to add some drama then the, the u.s invaded iraq like oh yes eight, eight days before we correct left. yeah i remember no like all this graffiti and just like and my mother USA and my mother was scum, like begging like, me not to go hated. and trying yeah. to trying to yeah. uh offer brandy and i money for our tickets so we wouldn't <laughs> go because she was convinced we were going to be murdered i mean nothing was going to stop me though from seeing no. paris i actually no. had just had like a medical procedure of sorts in a uh, delicate part of the body. I'll just leave it at <laughs> that. So, so I was like, remember it distinctly being, which is like, everything about this is poor planning. It's like, medical procedure, we start bombing Iraq. I'm like, let's hop on an international and, flight. And then uh, Brandy and, and I yeah. miss our fucking flight. Oh, yes, I will never Iceland. forget coming back. <laughs> I will never forget coming back from like a nice dinner with my father. And, uh, and then I think I had planned to meet you and it was like uh, it was like monsieur monsieur you have a message <laughs> and they like <laughs> passed along to me they're like uh, your friends tim and brandy uh, they did not make their flight <laughs> it's like and i think i just started laughing and shaking my head i was like of course of what course they didn't of course they didn't uh, the, yeah, I mean, I the first thing i did was left my the backpack <laughs> with our itinerary and passports and everything in the bus Going from the Iceland Reykjavik uh, yeah. airport, airport. I mean, yeah. to the yeah. airport to Reykjavik, you know, you get yeah. on the free shuttle, and we land at the hotel or the inn. It was a very small, and I realize I've left everything <gasps> on in the upper like cabinet, and somehow you must have gotten it back. Yeah, somehow yeah. Tim, I have pictures of the guy that drove it to me personally and i'm like hugging him and kissing him and i'm like you're so sweet i'm like well and i'm sure he was fucking gorgeous because all the men in iceland were gorgeous (laughs) well i think we thought everyone was gorgeous that like wasn't american at that point in our lives like look at us that's true for it like because i really hadn't traveled that much so this was a big deal and 
and, and then uh, when and then when yeah. we finally did arrive in Paris, Brandy had had the brilliant idea of buying um, walkie talkies so that we would <laughs> oh we could, my we could God, separate and that. not lose each other. And of course, my walkie talkie, I somehow so we only had one walkie talkie, right? You I left, left it in the walk- cab. I left my walkie talkie in the cab. To Might the hotel, so we never got yeah. to use it. We never got to use I'm the walkie talkies, like, which would have come in handy when we were roofied at La Queen. Let me <laughs> oh, tell you. Yeah, that was another low light, <laughs> low light of this trip is, is that Tim and I were we yeah, I think we used that as a fun fact for a recent duplex gala that we were like Tim and Scott were actually roofied at a gay yes. nightclub in uh, in Paris. Yeah. But you know, it probably was for the best because then we we didn't get into an argument. We just passed out. <laughs> didn't get into any more trouble than we otherwise maybe would have oh my goodness it is amazing we survived that trip yeah i mean that was all like Uh, pre like international cell phones like i'm like how did i even like know where and when to find you we would have to get how did we even know how to leave you a message that said we weren't arriving in time you know (laughs) i mean it's just not a clue i guess we did have email by then right do I remember that the everyone was so nice to us too? I mean, this was there was no change fees when we missed mm. our flight. No, we just got on the next flight. Yep. Yeah, we called, which was twenty four hours later. Yeah, I think it was only yeah, like we had to once stay. a day. Yeah, we had to yeah. stay an entire day, which was fine. But you know, it's a bummer when you have a whole itinerary yeah. plan. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. we called the hotel in Le Marais in Paris, mm. and we said we missed our flight. We're not going to be able to come. And they were like, okay. And they took <laughs> they didn't charge us for the day. Oh my god, I'm thinking, amazing. oh, you know. And because those days it really mattered. I remember doing the entire trip in, what, $1,200 or something insane. And we went from Paris to – sorry, Iceland to Paris, then down to to an overnight train to Nice. Right. And I planned the whole thing. And then we spent the night there, rented a car, went to, you know, Cannes and Antibes. Oh, right. Monaco and and, and, – No, uh, Monaco and – Remember yes. Vance, like that little area up in the. I think, Antibes. That was right. we went to Antibes, yeah, we went right? To Antibes, yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyway, we went um, to a lot of places. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, oh, Sorry. and then one more thing, which is which we can we can get to this. This kind of segues into some of the work that we started doing together. So we so. Uh, Obviously, we've said before that Scott and I met, we dated, we started working together on on writing a musical and writing. We had written a couple of songs. And I think that if it hadn't been for that, we probably wouldn't be here today. Honestly, we probably just would have stopped talking to each other. I'm sure that certainly if I had been Scott, I would have stopped talking to me because I was, you know, I lost my mind for a little bit. But the fun thing is, is that we come back and somehow, even though you were living in DC, Burry, you came up to do our very first cabaret at the duplex, yep. which was you called Clusterfuck. You told me about the lyrics. In, I read the lyrics to you France. on a on a church step while yes. we were drinking vodka yeah. um, in, in either Nice or Paris, one mm-hmm. of the two. And then, um, Scott, do you want to do you want to relive this memory uh, at oh. the du- when we were actually oh, well, at then the we duplex? performed the song 
sacred time at the duplex. Yes, and I, I, it was our first uh, our first cabaret appropriately named Clusterfuck because it and was it was all a fundraiser. We were hoping to make yes. money to help us raise do, the money to do dose to launch dose. Yes, yes. I mean, I, I do love that it was called Clusterfuck. We were nothing if not self aware from the from the jump. But yeah, from the yeah. So, uh, but yeah. So I, I distinctly remember that you, Brandy, <laughs> like being on stage and like d- just doing an intro to the song and like. Like talking about you know your experiences in Paris with Tim, I think you had some like big red aviators. Ruby Reds, like we call Ruby, Ruby Reds. Reds. They had been my sunglasses, but she kind of just took them. Off I just I always had yeah. sunglasses yeah. on, and yeah. they were just like you know red. Yep. She had the ruby reds on, and then I, I think that was the moment where you were like, yes. "So yeah, yeah, a wonderful time in Paris." And then and then like you motioned to me, hit it, <laughs> and of course the song has no piano. <laughs> it is accompaniment. <laughs> Only My kids know this story, and they laugh. They're like, tell, tell the story, Mom. Yeah, and I, I was so, gosh, I'm just so serious. I took myself so seriously. And I said, you know, you know, Tim and Tim read the lyrics to me when we were in Paris, and, and then I said, hit it. And you were stunned. You like I was straightened like, up because you were you were like, now? "This is your time off. This is when you're gonna like relax and like regroup." And your eyes got really wide, and you stood up straight. And then I heard the strum from the other side. Because I think it was Byron who actually no, it was, played um, the guitar. Josh? Was it Josh? Yeah. Yep. Because Josh oh, started it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. It was yeah. Josh. Okay. And because he, okay. he was kind of like, "All right, strum, strum," and I was like. I, Jane, you said there's two lives we walk through at the same time This she told me late one night You've got the one you're always living And the one you want to live And the sorrows in the last one that you tried She said this is freedom This is what it is This is freedom She'll tell you all about it, kid So, yeah, that, <laughs> oh that was gosh. another very embarrassing you know moment for me. I would say I mean, 90% of the people, 95% probably didn't even realize <laughs> This is, this is kind of amazing The thing that you Because you lived in D.C. And yet you kind of had this second life in New York mm. Despite the fact that you were living in D.C. And I know we have so many other things to talk about But I feel like this yeah. is a good transition to yes. um, So the, the, the next time I think actually before Before I think it was before I met Scott I honestly can't remember now but we were doing a production of Electra Speaks. I had a little theater company with Laura Camion and Scott McLean. And I say little just because it didn't last very long, unfortunately. But um, we we were doing our second production of a play called Electra Speaks that Laura Camion wrote. And Jen Stanton, who was the wife of one of the founders of Blue Man Group, uh, was the leading role. And she played in the Broadway softball league and was hit in the face <gasps> with a softball. Oh, my God. And it, it actually, like, fractured a bone in her face. So it was a fairly, you know, it was a fairly serious situation. And, and it was, what, one week? Was it even a week before we opened? 
And we were like, what are we going to do? Uh, we were we were like, we need to audition people. But of course, that seemed insane because how could someone, how could we yeah. find someone that we knew we could rely on? And I said, well, I think Brandy could do this. Let me check and see if she might be available. And you fucking came up. You <laughs> learned the entire role, slept on my futon, and you performed as, um, yeah. I can't even remember the character's name now. Well, it was a lot. I mean, it was through Shit. through the ages. I don't remember yeah. the character's name either because yeah, I mean, yes, that important but, detail but, has slipped my mind. But, but you played the leading role of this woman, and you did it in a week without a book, which oh my is goodness. insane. I mean, it's kind of harkening back to the the um, the importance of being earnest moment, right? I mean, right. You were just you <laughs> you really thrived under that sort of like I I did pressure, and, and, and I was so glad. Challenge, I mean, it was challenge. like yes, I felt like I was. It was a call to arms. It was a call yes. to action. You were like, I need you, and I'm like, I. I'm on the bus. I'm on the <laughs> Chinatown bus. I'm coming. Um, and yeah, I, I still thrive. You were on texting. Still... You were texting with the whatever that thing was called back then. The little thing that like suggested the words because you didn't have an actual uh, keyboard. You just had the numbers. Oh, do you remember? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. <laughs> that is, is so that dramatic. Called? I mean, um, what like singular focus? I keep every time you keep telling me one of these horrifying stories that are like so like in an anxiety dream of mine come to life i just keep laughing because i keep thinking too about this for some reason they keep playing this episode of roseanne on re repeat where laurie <laughs> metcalf you know who i always think of as an amazing, amazing. stage actress amazing. like she has to go on as juliet and <laughs> she has not learned any of the lines oh, I and have it those is nightmares. like hilarious <laughs> and i don't know if i ever i don't think i'm that person anymore you know mm. i think it was the athlete in me because i was always in, a, in addition to the whole theater thing i was also a fairly fast runner i was like the fastest runner in my school and and i broke a record and and so i was very competitive as mm. a, and um and all, and i definitely viewed acting as um athletic you know, right, so it was like right. it was a challenge. Yeah. I love it was, and I have a process of how I learn my lines to this very day. I still, I have to write them all out, and um, I like to do it over and over because that's when I really say, "Wait, is it is it an and or is it an of?" Hmm. Or then when you really get specific, I know so many people that just uh, my husband can he's an actor as well and he can learn lines like he just looks at a thing and reads it a couple times and I like says it in his head. And it makes me so angry because I am not that girl. I have to, mm. um, but I also think he he also like ad libs a lot more than I would ever do. Right, I right, am like, no, right, it's either like, of or or right. or the or I want to be very truthful to the text and the pauses and the commas. But that's probably uh -oh. because I went to graduate school. Um, yes, <laughs> and also because it's armor for me. You know, it's like I don't uh. want I don't want to make those decisions. If if it sucks, it's the playwright's fault, not mine. You know, <laughs> if it's you know, I'm, I'm not messing yeah. with. I don't want to mess with that. And I and I so appreciate the work, the collaboration of like Tim's the lyricist and you in the uh, composing of the music. That I'm not really one that's like, oh, I want to change this up, but. Um, yeah. So well, to that point, I that was a crazy time. And I don't even know how I was able to do it because I clearly didn't have a job. 
I mean, I just, or I like wow. left it for a couple well, days. Yeah, on like this a moment's a, notice, you were yeah. able to be like, I'm on the bus. That's the problem is being an actor. Who, how yeah. do you get to do that? I mean, and this I, is and a I, great, yeah. this is great. This is great because I wanted to ask you, so you're living in DC and, and we know, we all know, I think one of the things that um, is demystifying, again, it kind of goes back to like where we came from, which is we're not coming from a bunch of money. We're mm. not coming from a hist- uh, a family history of theater Dynasty or of yeah. people. Um, yeah. We don't have a trust fund, you know, none of those things. So w- artists in those positions have to just do whatever the fuck we can. I mean, we've all waited tables. Actually, Scott, have you waited tables? Nope. Did oh, not, okay. Sorry, did not. You and I experience. have both waited tables. We yeah. both we've all done jobs, obviously, that were not necessarily in our. What what were you doing in D.C. to pay the rent and make a living and make your a life for yourself? Well, I, you know, for me, I have to say that I always relied on the kindness of strangers. No, <laughs> um, and, and I understand that very much. That um, I all I was a serial monogamist. And I always had a boyfriend. And now I can see because I had no idea how to survive without, you know, a partnership. And at that time, I was dating James McNeil. And that's how I ended up in D.C. because I had gone back to New York after my stints at Shepherdstown. Um, You know, you get hired as as an actor. And then you've got to go back to New York and hope that there's a job there for you. So I would go back and try to get my job waiting tables again. Um... And every time thought, this is the end. I can't do this anymore. What am I going to do with my life? And I had started dating James. He was the stage manager for Man of La Mancha. And just the kindest soul and also very intellectual. And he was going to get his graduate uh, master's degree from American University in arts management. So he was going to live in D.C. And he said, come, come to D.C., and that was the big saving grace for me because D.C. was where I really uh, found myself because I was a bigger fish in a smaller yep. pond. Not everyone was an actor. Um, it was full of journalists and politicians, and um, but but you know, and and they had a wonderful theater scene. They I love their theater scene, oh, for but sure. it wasn't for huge. Sure. Like yep. once you right. once right. you could kind of audition and become known, and Baltimore was nearby, so. I said to James, I don't want to wait tables. That was the first thing I was going to do. I mean, I needed to get a job. He wasn't rich. Um, he was going to school. So, um, but I didn't want to do the waiting tables thing because it's like late nights on your feet. Um, so I, he said, figure out what you want to do. So that's when I just looked at audition or, you know, job posts. And I ended up getting a job with Jim Bree Play and Music at yes. 24. And they train. They paid to train me for six months. I mean, I think it was probably you know fifteen dollars an hour or something like that. And they, I started working with babies and and families and doing these little forty-five minute classes. And the people that owned it at the time, it was a franchise, but they owned like six fran six of the the Jimbery plays and music around D.C. So I would work sometimes in Rockville, Maryland, and Bethesda, Maryland, and uh, Georgetown had a had a location, and it was such a great place for me to be because I would work from like eight to eleven in the morning. I would get paid. I think at that time it was like per class, but it ended up being like eighteen dollars an hour. Um, 
and it was a healthy place to be. It got me up early in the morning. Then I'd have the rest of the day to go audition and go find things. And and in DC was a wonderful place because it's public, it's open, it's free. So when I had more time than money, I could go and walk the mall and go to the Smithsonian museums and go to the Martin Luther King Library and exercise. And and it was at my disposal, you know. And right. so I, it was a wonderful place. And from there, I ended up getting a job with um, a woman who came to Gymboree and she um, wanted to be a part of a play group in downtown Georgetown, but she applied too late or it was too full. And she was very well connected. And she said, I want to start my own play group. Like, fine, I can't get into this one. I'm going to start my own. So she gathered uh, some of the families that were in Gymboree and she started a little play group for six families. And she asked me to come. I think she actually asked my coworker first, but my coworker couldn't come, like the day of the day that she needed her to come. So I went and I did a little circle time. I think she paid me $90. And I would go, then I started going once a week to this family of six and would just take my guitar when I was just learning. I was terrible, but I would just learn strum, you know, twinkle, twinkle, little star. I was like at the right level for children. And, right, right. <laughs> and um, took my parachute, did everything that we did at Gymboree that, that they had already trained me to do, but I would do it for these private uh, people at their house at the time. I would go to do birthday parties. Um, and this thing expanded to become Blue Igloo Playgroup. And by the end, I think we had 50 families. Oh, my God. Um, I was ended up, I mean, people were like clamoring to get in. It was because there were so many <laughs> families in Georgetown. Yeah. And they would apply and it became very, um, uh, you know. Exclusive. What, exclusive. Exclusive. Thank you. And I mean, not to drop names, and I hope they don't mind because they were definitely my friends, and and I appreciated there. There was uh, George Stephanopoulos was was wow. one of the families with Allie Wentworth. And um, there was Amanda Smith, who is uh, the niece of JFK. Um, and she was a, a writer in her own right. And uh, so many, the president of Georgetown uh, with his wife and their lovely uh, son. And so it, it, anyway, I was so in a nice, beautiful place and they had money to spend. So they, and they paid me well. And I was always very clear that I really wanted to be an actor. I said, I just, I, I love to do this, but I really want to be an actor. Yep. So, and they were like, yes, absolutely. We want to support you. Wow. Um, so I worked from eight to noon, like Monday through Friday, but not on holidays, not on summer vacations, not on spring breaks. Um, that's how I was able to go to Paris when we all met in Paris. Right. Um, they were very generous with bonuses and, and if I had an audition. So I ended up getting audition for Christmas Carol at the Ford's Theater. And while I was working at Blue Igloo, I got to be the understudy. At, so I was like being paid double. And at night I would go to the Ford's, beautiful Ford's Theater in downtown D.C., and watch the we Christmas came and saw you every yeah. night. So yes. you you had it pretty good in DC. I'm like, this is like the like flexible yep. uh, job of of, yes. of a you know working actor's dream. Yeah, and it was, so it was. when they when almost the, so, I almost sound like benefactors of sorts. Yeah, yes, they, with an appreciation they, for the they, arts and everything. They they really did. They 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 and, and they had timeshares during this time. I ended up going to Barbados and Aruba. Oh, 
because oh, I remember when I you did that. Remember that I had. They, but I didn't. Oh I God, don't think amazing. I realized that it was through. Well, time they shares. had timeshares that they weren't going to be those kind of things where they. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I was the girl that was like, "I'll take you up You're on right. it." I mean, they kind of said, "You know, hey, if anyone," and I was like, "I'll do it." That kind yeah. of thing. Um, they wouldn't. And, they wouldn't, however, let you and your friends uh, right. rent their house. <laughs> no, that was. Do you remember I, that? I do remember the silent auction. So we performed. Scott, remember when you came? You you both came. I do. And that's when so I found out like, I was on the wire. It was that the was, first time. Oh, yes, that was a right. very momentous. Okay, trip. this huge. is a yeah. perfect confluence yes. of, of of moments because yes. I wanted to talk about the wire, but I also really wanted to talk about that. It, um, that was that silent was, auction. Yes, and I so we did a silent auction. And I mean, this was a play group, okay? And yeah. it was, a, but they had a silent auction that was w- auctioning off crazy things. And, and what was the venue? The was the venue where you also no, taught? No, it was or? a private club that one of the people right in downtown Georgetown. Okay, and they, you know, rented out or they got because they were members. It was fancy. Yeah, oh, I, mean, I remember the fancy. space. It was yeah. like it was, super fancy. And, I mean, I'm sure they raised what I don't know, a hundred thousand dollars for a tiny yeah. play group. I yeah, and I was like, I had just we had Tim and I had hopped off the Chinatown bus, and yep. I, I must and have brought something to nice Gershwin to wear. But I was like, I was like, uh, this place is fancy. And uh, I don't. Do you remember any of the like repertoire we'd put together? Yes, it was had, Gershwin and yeah. Cole Porter. It was like a lot of standards. Uh, yeah. Yes, that, um, you know, I've wind and dined on Mulligan Stew, and you know, ladies. When did we rehearse, and how did we rehearse? I don't. Uh, we rehearsed there. I think there, we yeah, went, I think like that day. When we got something. there, yeah. you all rehearsed your asses off, and I Wasn't think you might have saying like Wasn't one. Wasn't my French boy there? Oh, <laughs> yes. of course. We <laughs> haven't even talked I'm... about you. Brought yes. Matthew. Yes. From Paris. From so we had this. We all had this you connection. Just put to it, you just put him in your luggage. We met him uh, on the Paris trip. Well, you guys were getting roofied. Yes, I went you... by myself to a Spanish restaurant, <laughs> but I didn't realize it was Spanish because yeah. I didn't know French. Oh, but you did. Oh, but you did. Oh, but you did. Oh, and I did so well. And and (laughs) I thought I was like being so French. Like I had a big white coat on. I'd bought this coat (laughs) from a thrift store. And before we went, and I walked in and I was like, manje, manje. Like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Casey McClellan, when you came back and that coat was gone, do you remember you threw away that coat yes, on the trip? Yes, because it got all disgusting. It got, and Casey oh, McClellan no. was like, thank God she threw <laughs> she away that coat. coat. <laughs> I remember I told you like, that I had a cool raincoat. I was like, I bought yeah. a raincoat and I showed it to you. And it was like from REI. It was a, like kind of a hiking raincoat. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I remember your face. You were just disgusted with me, Tim. You were like, I pictured like a black urban looking jacket it's like, and i it was you know we like the whole like I it was yeah she, exactly we were she going up like to, the, to the mountains to, to, to light a fire with, and with my walkie talkie some deer oh my god with your walkie talkie but you somehow i think ended up like taking a ride on a moped oh i did right yeah into that. which i should have been dead like these are things like do oh. not recommend yeah well, the, moral the number of, of times the number of times okay but yeah so but we are in so DC. the connection was like he i think was sort of being our like sound yeah, person sound guy he just but, well, yeah he had to make himself useful yeah yeah he had come all the way from paris to like live <laughs> in my in my and there were, we were having apartment. some sort of issue i think i seem to recall during the performance it like the mics work. would be like oh, yes! uh, he kept messing with the amp 
something, right? And would like it would go nuts. So how embarrassing! <laughs> like again, this is where ignorance is bliss. Because yes. when I look back on this, I'm so embarrassed. Of my, <laughs> we I was were like, just like, "Yes, I'm a performer. Of course, I'm an we will perform. I'm going to perform." And I put on this like gown. I and remember saying Gershwin. Yeah, but the standards. other thing is, you walked into that place and you were like, uh, "By the way, I just got a call. I'm going to be in a new HBO show or the, yeah. the oh, existing yeah. HBO show like called The Wire." We were with you in the car. We were, yes, we were. I in think your I was car. on someone's lap because, mm. however, there were too many of us in the car driving back, and we had the equipment. We had. <laughs> Or something, but I remember like being on your yeah. on your lap and being like, "I'm in an HBO show, you guys!" Like I just landed, <sighs> and the irony is, I met Al- I I mentioned Allie Wentworth before, who is George Stephanopoulos' wife. The irony is when I went back to Blue Igloo because I kept my job through that yeah. entire thing because I was like, I need to keep my job. I have student loans and I have to pay things. And I told her, I'm like, I got a role, and 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 she said, you know what? I auditioned for that role. Uh, I actually really? wrote to them because I know Dominic West. There's a, there's a whole history there that she told me about, which I won't uh, share. But she just said, "I and you got that role? Like, what? And I'm like, yes, I did. And I'm just like, oh, I'm her like, playgroup, baby yeah. playgroup girl. Oh, my God. That's um, amazing. And so that was such a rewarding thing. And they were all like, you go, girl. They were so proud of me. Yeah. And But at the same time. Some of them, as we had discovered, because they we were trying to use rent their house <clears throat> for the silent auction, we were bidding on one of the mansions so we could go to like a writing thing, and they didn't want us to go at the oh, end. Oh no, remember? we won the we, <laughs> we won, won the silent we auction, and they talked to you and said, uh, "Yeah, no, <laughs> they you and took your it away. Do not yeah. have this house because yeah. they were thinking that it would only be you know these families that would bid on this right. house, right?" And when we won it for like $1,200 and Tim, because you were there bidding on everything while we were performing. (laughs) (laughs) He had to make himself useful. (laughs) He he had to make himself useful. Low ball. Yeah, they gave him a number. They they were they were the problem. Yeah. They gave him like the number to be able yeah. to do this. And I had the room on back. my credit card. I was ready to pay <laughs> for it right then. You were like, we if we all of us go, there's eight bedrooms. Like we can each yeah, put you in did 150 dollars. We were like, oh my like, god, we could afford this. Yeah, and we'll we'll go, and, and maybe it would have been a bad idea if you think about it. But <laughs> oh, it would have been a horrible idea. The place <laughs> would have been but I fallen into the, it would have been like this, the end of Carrie when the house just implodes <laughs> <Yes>. oh <laughs> I think well I mean but to, to some of those people's credit one was an attorney for at the yeah. White House at the time and um, th- these were very connected people and one of the mothers came up to me after that and said if you want me to represent you if you want to oh my goodness yeah, really she was she saw she recognized what was happening? That what, it was like what had happened. A classist and situation. Luckily, I had just landed the water. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. because yeah. it would I have knew, been a much different blow. Yeah, if you had I knew not that I was totally. You know yeah. what I mean? I knew that I had grown. I I wanted to stay there. I wish I could have stayed there forever. Mm-hmm. But you know, you there, yeah. that was it. That was like. With, with that experience, and I'm so grateful to them, and I'm still friends with some of them, which is awesome to see their kids. My the babies that I taught are now in college. Oh my and god, to, that's you know, wild! Luckily, Facebook 
you know, you can see there, see yeah. them, and I, and yeah. I, I, I love that. But, um, but that that was it. You know what I mean? And once yes. I got on the wire, and now I'm shooting in Baltimore, and yeah. I'm nude. By the way, if someone hasn't seen the show, it's not really risque. It, it, but, but, the, but when I was shooting it, I would go from like shooting in Baltimore it, with an having an affair with the lead character to. <laughs> teaching babies in the morning and like having the secret like because all these guys are like you made it oh we're so proud of you and, oh, and i'm thinking God. in my mind like oh this isn't going to end well when they all sit down with popcorn with oh my god okay okay this is a great this is a great transition i love it um so we are going to come back obviously to all of the because there's so much more of this story and also we want to talk about all of the work that we have collaborated we on over the so many years it's always like but, tip, of, tip of the iceberg is how sorry. i feel when we have a guest on here know, like brandy where it's like we've well, known each other for like multiple right. decades exactly when you've known someone for so long but mm-hmm. we're gonna because we also do talk about musicals on the, yeah. Hope, the podcast we're going to transition to talking about musicals. Um, so we have a few questions that we kind of ask people. Um, when you were growing up, curiously, we have sort of experienced that even though we're, I guess we're officially of the same generation, all of us. Jean looked it up last yeah. night and we're all Gen Xers. It's all Gen X, yeah. Because yeah. I think okay. it goes to like 1980 or something. So. Um, so did you grow up, like, was the sound of music... Or was the Wizard of Oz? I were either of those like significant moments in your childhood of like your family sort of watched them on some sort the of Wizard annual of basis. The Wizard, the Wizard of, of Oz. Oz for sure. Oh, that makes me so happy because you're the mm-hmm. only person so far that has said that. Everyone else has said Sound of Music. Okay, and really? and did you love it? I never even saw Sound of Music. Uh, yes, I loved it. Okay, me too. I still love it. I if still it's on, it. I will. I will watch it. Yep, me um, too. And um, that and Harry Potter, I wasn't a very big that that's another thing about being an actor is that I wasn't a very we didn't watch movies growing up. We didn't go to the movies. Um, So a lot of people are cinephiles. Mm, And now now that I've gotten older, I'm like, wow, I really we didn't do that. I mean, I watched different strokes. I watched TV shows after school. Yeah. by myself, um, right. that kind of thing. But we, we, as a family, we it wasn't an educational thing, and we. Um, but the Wizard of Oz was definitely okay. something I nice. feel like we watched every year that you know came out more with my like grandma or in, right. in my aunt. Um, Do you yeah. remember the first live musical that you saw? Was it like a high school production or? It a... was. It was. Okay. Uh, it was Bye Bye Birdie. <laughs> which we talked about on this podcast. I really? smeared it because I'm not, I'm not a fan of that. Oh show, no, but. of course you're not. I mean, <laughs> and it was, I was, it was when I first moved to the new school in the town of Huron, right next to my mm. other town, but you know, totally world away when you're that age. And it was the high school production and we okay. were in middle school and okay. we were all goo goo gaga over the lead. And I, just because that's what you write. I mean, when you see something like that, because he's like almost close to you, you know, in right, age. Right. Yeah. And he and and, but I remember the whole Conrad or whatever. Conrad Birdie. Yeah. Um, the sort of Elvis character. That, yep. Yeah. Yep. And and yeah, I don't remember the musical at all. I could care less. But at that time, it's all about <laughs> you, right? It's all about. <laughs> right. And what uh, 
So how, you were in musicals in high school, obviously. You yes. just said, what? I already forgot. What was your first musical? Oh, I, it's okay. Um, I did, um, I think it was Anything Goes. When I was, oh. uh, when I really played a character, I was Hope Harcourt. Uh, boring. Terrible role. When you're, when you're a sophomore, you know, I wanted to play like the Reno Sweeney role. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, she sings It's Delightful, It's the Lovely, Hope okay. Harcourt, yes. my character. Yeah. And then there's a slow duet song called All Through the Night, which was like really low in my range. And it's, mm. you know, it's very serious. Um, and I don't particularly think I was a good... Um, uh, or was it? I also did Little Mary Sunshine. I remember I did that show. You did. <laughs> I was Nancy Twinkle, which sing, you know she's like the the rebel of the group. Yep. And I sing a song about Mata Hari and wanting to be a spy. That so I are I was already typecast. Like then right. I was the girl that was you know. But it was more because I was a tomboy. I think you know I didn't even understand the sexuality things. And you know as I get older and think oh I was the I was the dark-haired girl to the the blonde ingenue mm. kind of. That's where I started getting typecast. But I was also really rugged. You know, I was visceral. I was really, a, I was, I wasn't that, I, I mean, I don't, I, I was more like a tomboy, like I said. Right. So I, I feel like those, that that's when you got to play those kind of fun, I got to play the fun roles, like the Ado Annie uh, role in Oklahoma. Did and, you, so um, you played her in high school also? Um, no. No, no okay, I don't okay. think so. You played um, her at Montemoy. Yep. Yeah. And okay. I, I was in those okay. kind of, and Guys and Dolls. And, and then I played, um, what's another one? Uh, Damn Yankees? I don't remember. I think maybe I was just in the chorus of that. I don't know that show. And no, then do, Hello Dolly. I played Dolly Levi. <sighs> I was in my senior wow. year. Oh, and wow. that was so amazing. That's a, oh, I can't that's imagine. A I mean, what a fun role. <laughs> I yeah. had what a, a huge drawing. role. What a fun role. It was, it was such a fun role. And, and I really, th- I mean, I did it. I practiced it. I mean, I, I thought I was Barbara Streisand. You know what I mean? I, I essentially just copied her. I mean, I you know, that's the, the, that's the age where you just copy, right? Absolutely, You're just like, of course. I stand yes. for motherhood, America. Yep. You know, I was just, yep. and I sang it every day in the shower, out of the shower. I was, I practiced that thing and, and they rented costumes. You know, it's in the, it's in my high school yearbook. You know, I wish I had, could do a show and tell. Um, and it was, that was great, you know, yeah. and, and, and my counterparts were all good. They were like well cast, right. and because I took it so seriously, all the guys at Harmonia Gardens, which were like the football players and the people that I don't know, maybe they got their moms, maybe their moms made them do the musical, you know, right? Uh, because we had a good chorus teacher and and but you know same same stuff, but they all kind of indulged me to let me sing those songs to them and tried to learn their you know choreography. <laughs> so we're gonna hear from you today as our mm. guest. Um, what um, you're gonna tell us about a musical that you love or a musical that you hate? Are you ready? Yes. I'm going to I'm going to flip a coin oh, and we're going to no. decide which one you're talking about first. So heads is like and tails is okay. dislike or hate whatever. You can qualify however you feel about it. Okay. Oh god. Shit. Heads, we're starting with like. Okay. Okay. Because that's how I Okay. Had Drum roll, well, please. I had so many, but the one I thought I would talk about because there were so many. Yeah. Um, was the Secret Garden? 
Ooh. And the Yay. reason why, out of the few that I wanted to talk about, was this: these are female writers. Yes. Oh, yes. And okay. there's so few and far between. Yeah, completely. And I was going through, like, oh, the ones I love and all the um, different things, but uh, that's the one that interested me the most when I started like, looking into it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I've I'm seen the Secret so Garden. happy. You have? Uh, I, yeah, I, I saw. You saw it? I saw a production of it. Um, it was just a one-night fundraiser production, but it oh, was a right. very right. high-quality. Did you see that? No, no. Oh, I'm okay, very okay. jealous that you saw it. I've never seen a stage production of it. I keep wanting oh. them to bring this back, and it's I feel so like they gorgeous. it's time to bring it, it back. Is. Maybe um, we should do But this. I love the score so much. So Well, well I tell did us about see it, it yeah. in Cleveland, Ohio, with my music teacher. Mm. Uh, that it, so it, I have a little bit of history that it came out in 1991. Um, it had 709 performances on Broadway. Um, the uh, librettist, I guess, is the Marsha Norman. Uh, she won a, a Pulitzer for Night Mother. She's yep. a playwright from Louisville, Kentucky, uh, which I loved. And um, the music is from, which I don't even, oh, by Lucy Simon. Lucy Simon, yeah. Which is Carly Simon's sister. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. Did you know that, Schneider? I did. Yeah. Oh. I was like really obsessed with this with this cast recording for like Me a too. year or two. I, I, like I and, think oh, it was, and, but I don't think I discovered it till a little later. You said it was ninety one. I think 91. I probably listened to it a lot around like ninety four or ninety five or something. But. Uh, yeah, and I I I, I, I love the choral arrangements. Mm, I mean, they're yeah. so big and beautiful. I love the magic. I mean, the story in and of itself, of this, I find beautiful, you know, where it's not the typical love story, but, it, you know, I, I love the characters that that um, they're not, you know, man meets woman conflict. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, generational uh, characters. If, if What uh, is the story? Because I, I did see it, but it's been a while. And okay, it, I, this, I don't know, I don't remember it very well. Um, a young girl. It's, you know, set in, in a, it's a period piece, which I okay. love, you okay. know, anything with, put a corset on me and I'd be happy. Um, <laughs> and and uh, um, it's a young girl, it, Dan, uh, Daisy Egan, I yep. believe is how you say her name. She ended up winning the Tony for this yeah, Broadway That was like a really big deal. I think she was 11, the 11. youngest person ever, right? Wow. Uh, she was the youngest girl. There was a 10-year-old boy okay. that had won it for something else, and I don't, I didn't write that down. But um, so she, and, and she really is remarkable. I'm listening to the cast recording and i'm just like wow she's so beautiful um but she comes she's the niece of lily who's passed away and she needs a place to stay and so she's come to um this mansion that's essentially been the the husband who lost lily is in mourning and you know and this uh, keeper of the house just says this little girl needs you know has nowhere to go essentially and he's like, what is she going to do here? No, this isn't good. But then in the end, he feels like he he owes it to Lily to let her stay. But, I mean, it's all, like, dark. And, and she ends up talking to the keepers of the house. Like, uh, there's Martha, which is a great role for a female uh, actress. And then there's the – do I not have the name of the other character? Uh, what's his name? Oh, gosh. he He's kind of like the – the how the keeper of the a young guy who was originally played by John Cameron Mitchell. 
so he um he was this is all before um Hedvig Dickin is the character yeah, yes Dickin. and we actually um when we talked about uh I think I said when we talked about Hedvig I I sort of brought this up that the, my first uh Introduction yes. to John Cameron Mitchell was actually through this, yes. and that he was like, so it was so wild to me when uh, when yeah. he developed Hedvig because it was like polar opposite right. spectrum. Right, I didn't of realize like, he was the original Huck Finn in Big River on uh, Broadway. Yeah, yeah. Right before I, John, this, John Cameron Mitchell was. Yes. When a thing is wick, it has a light around it. Maybe not a light that you can see. But hiding down below, sparks asleep inside it, waiting for the right time to be seen. You clear away the dead parts so the tender buds can fall. Loosen up the earth and let the roots. Um, did you guys realize that fucking Mandy Patinkin yes. was in this musical? Yes. Oh no, I know because I listened to the cast He's all like over recording this all. Musical. <laughs> I was afraid. He's all over it. Yeah. I was afraid to say it because I, liked, I thought it was. I liked just, this musical in spite of I Mandy Patinkin, yeah, which I is an ongoing Schneider theme. I thought Schneider would just be like, no, we're not, <laughs> oh. you know, because he is all, he's just, he's he's Mandy Patinkin it all over the place, uh, yeah. which I happen to find fine. But <laughs> um, and, and so there's these huge choral numbers and then these gorgeous solo pieces that really, you know, let people shine. Uh, this is a lot, of, and there's "Come to My Garden." Mm. That song. I mean, "Come to oh, My Garden." Love I, that. I, I listened to it yesterday, just and I, I you started weeping. I'm like, I yeah. you know. Oh, it's so beautiful. Well, and you know, uh, th- actually, there's been a lot of like sort of social media chatter on the Secret Garden uh, recently because oh, yeah. uh, Rebecca Luker uh, just passed away. Uh, oh, yes. uh, Wait, who's who, that? She played the original uh, Lily Craven oh. in this production. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, and so there's just been a lot of like outpouring of like grief oh, and like sentiment and yeah, I mean, her voice uh, for is her. Just, yeah, yes, her voice is so beautiful. I mean, it yeah. just is. It's so angelic. And I try to sing it in the shower. It does not. It doesn't compare. It says here on the Wikipedia that she actually appeared in the Make-A-Wish Foundation um, one night thing that that I saw. Oh, okay. So I saw her. Yeah. So you have bragging rights. It also says that there was a revival planned. And guess who? One of my Broadway boyfriends, Matt Doyle, was supposedly going to be in it. And it says here that the revival is still on the table, but obviously, I, yeah, we, I really, I really hope they do because it's been. A, I mean, at this point, it's been a very long time, and and I like you said, if it's that, just huge. You know, is it just yeah, costly or could be? Well, because we spoke about that a little bit when we talked about Ragtime. That it's just such a massive production with so many characters that I wonder if that is part of it. But you well, know, it says here um, they were waiting for the right theater to be available. Hmm. But yeah. I guess that oh, yeah. said a lot. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to sit it in, in like you know the Lincoln Center theater in the round. Like you, re- it's really theatrical, and I tend to like those kind of mm. you know the the theatrical musicals, the ones that yeah. are big and obnoxious. 
Wait, so what was the song you were just talking about? Come to My Garden is okay. the, uh, I mean, there's so many beautiful ones. I mean, the one that's this powerhouse of um, comparative to like Les Mis being the Jean Valjean and Javert kind of uh, duet, the male duet song is right. Lily's Eyes. Yes, I was oh. going to bring that up that that like, because it's, uh, it's like, a, I think it's like a quartet, right? Because I remembered... Um, uh, for my one of one of our high school show choir uh, performances, a group of people did that, and yeah, yeah and all and of it's that just, different. If like, you give two men, two gorgeous mm-hmm. singing men. It's so you have. I think it's Archibald Crane. Uh, I, I think these are the names, but you have the the lead guy who lost his wife yeah. and is in mourning, and his brother, who you find out through the story was always in love with Lily. Yeah. And he's been keeping the son of Lily kind of locked away and saying that he's sick and he's a cripple and all these things. And because the husband is so wounded and in mourning, he's not realizing that the brother is actually doing this. So there's this like dark. um, And then there's a bit of magic because they they sing. uh, So so there's a great song, the duet of Lily's Eyes. Oh, right. It's a duet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they've taken it many places for choirs and things, but... Yeah, so that was the one I, I really uh, I, I did see the production with with my music teacher, Miss Marty Smith, who was the only person that ever got me out of uh, my small town in Ohio. Uh, and afterwards, we went backstage or on the side with our playbill, and the car- the actress I don't know who it was at the time who was doing the tour uh, that played Martha, which is yeah. the guttural. Um, female part that I would of course want to play. It's a great oh, role. For great, sure. great solo. Wonderful role. And she know. has what I always I always uh when I'm like coming up with examples of eleventh hour numbers, I always mention from this show when she sings the song Hold On. Oh. It's like this just like it's like it's the like Eponine. the proto Yeah. Yeah. Hold you know, on. So good. This is based on a novel by Francis Hodgen Burnett, and it was published originally in 1911 after a serialization in the American Magazine, which ran, uh, the chapters were released between November of 1910 and August of 1911. So it was, yeah. it's I mean, we considered all a classic book, of English right? children's literature. I didn't read it. I, wow. I didn't read it, but my sister read it. Okay. So it I, wasn't in our, my you know, reading repertoire, but I she had read it. I definitely read it, but I don't think it was like 
through school. I think I just like read it of yeah. my own accord. And it seems like one of those stories that I should have known before, and I felt kind of dumb that I didn't hadn't read it. But <laughs> I thought everyone had read it, right? Wow! It um, says the first filmed version was made in 1919. Well, hmm. so and the it woman. Has been so when I went backstage and I said, um, you know, I was hi, I, I'm I want to be an actress too. This woman was probably on her eighth show of In Between. I probably oh, went right. to the matinee yeah. on Sunday, <laughs> right. and she was not friendly. I mean, I was <laughs> catching her. I it wasn't even. I don't even think she was coming. Um out i mean she wasn't coming out to sign anything she right, was right. C- going to like go to her apartment and lay down or i mean she w- and she it was kind of shocking you know when you see someone hit with their wig off and their and 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 but my music teacher you know wanted me to have these experiences and so said let's go and go, let's go stand by the stage door and see and when she came out i was like hi you know i i have my I, you're wonderful you're amazing and, and and of course i made it about me i was like i want to be an actress too you know <laughs> and you know i remember her just being kind of like great and in walking away and <laughs> i was like well that was inappropriate like she should be grateful and and she should <laughs> You know, be nice. And and as an actor now, I can so appreciate that moment. Yeah. Because it's a, sometimes it's a job. I mean, and, and to be on that caliber, I mean, she was amazing. I remember we were up in the nosebleed seats. I really don't remember the, the details of the show. <laughs> I think we had, I probably had binoculars, you know. Right, right. Up in the Playhouse Square. But, but I, I appreciate that now. That 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 of feeling of you know I I I put it all out on the stage. Yeah, like what what else do you want? <laughs> right, yeah, that's right. it. That's all I got. Uh, I gave my, it. My, I my gave first it. trip to New York, we saw like a ton of musicals, and we saw BB Newworth in Chicago. And I remember afterwards that we like a group of us waited at stage door, and I it was like the same thing. I think we like completely accosted her with like stars in our eyes, and we're like, we're singers, we're dancers, we're and she was similar. Similarly, like very curt terse. <laughs> it, was, it was it was very much like right. I mean, cause can okay. you imagine Thank you. <laughs> getting to that point in your career, like the shit you must have experienced by then? And oh, also yeah. the touring. I mean, yeah, yeah, I yeah. can't say that I've ever done a, a touring show and I know the people I've worked with actors that have done touring shows. And I feel like they're a different breed. And I don't know if – I mm. think that the touring changed them. And mm. it changes your attitude yeah. because you're literally traveling from city to city. I've worked in different cities, but I've had the pleasure of actually settling like settling in there right. for a month, right. at least yeah. a month or two months. And that's that feels amazing because you feel like you can take it in. Sure. That you're a, you're a tourist – but you're there to work, and that feels super great. And yeah. but to be on those tours where you have to, you know, on your only day off, try to do something in a city to experience the city. I mean, I mean, it's almost like being on a military base in in a different country. You don't really get to experience the actual totally because it's just like boom, 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 and then you're like pack it up right. the next day. Pack it up, yeah, pack it up. Move yeah. It out. yeah, and you don't really get to meet the people, the community that mm-hmm. you're 
<laughs> well, and you have to take care of yourself. If you're fucking singing like that eight times imagine. a week, I mean, you have to be so careful with your For voice, sure. I'm sure, you know. Mm. Um, well, thank you, yeah. Brandy. I'm excited. I, I need to re- We're I gonna, read. This I'm going to have to rewind on and- Daisy Egan because I remember a couple of years back that she had posted something like on her Twitter or something that was like, oh, you know, equal equal parts like funny and tragic it was something because she was just doing for something really some ridiculous odd job or something but she was it was it was very much like you know i'm the uh, you know some you know it was something along the lines of like huh, uh, i'm the only tony award winner that you know just got rejected from a job at lowe's like something right. like that like right. it was like i, think she I can't would have remember a very what it was interesting yeah. background for a rewind because in my short <laughs> you know, clicking on Wikipedia when I went to her page, mm-hmm. it was, um, she's married, I think, to her second husband. Okay. And, but at uh, 12, I think she came out as oh. being at least yeah. polyamorous. Huh. it says. Yep. Okay. And, and yeah. so th- I was like, ooh, there's there's some stuff there. You yeah, know? I think there um, might she's be. She's only a, 41. Yeah, she's I think. Younger yeah, than I think there might be a, a, a deeper dive yeah. that we need to do yeah. on, on on Daisy. Yeah. Like she she seems like a. Definitely. Like a, like a character, a fun character. I think she's back to acting. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll get we'll, we'll get back we'll to that. We'll little figure little. that out. We'll exactly. figure that out. You can bring me back. I'd love to hear about exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> get a little more. So. Ladies and gentlemen and everyone, we are going to be back with another episode of Brandy Burry. We're going to talk more about collaborations with No Hope. We're going to be debuting a brand new No Hope tune that was written for Brandy to sing. And God, I feel like there's some other things, but I guess, you know, we'll get there. Schneider, do you have anything to say? Uh, I don't, other than I am thrilled with your selection of A Secret Garden. Uh, I was thinking about that was on my short list of musicals to talk about soon. Um, I'm glad that you highlighted it, uh, highlighted it, you know, particularly for it being a sadly rare musical written all by women. Um, And I am very much looking forward to seeing it at some point, hopefully sooner than later, and talking with you more uh, on our next episode episode if it comes out yeah let's make a date oh let us make a pact together yes right here right now that we will see a secret garden in person together okay okay till next time bye goodbye